What does it mean to be called crazy in a crazy world? Listen to Madness Radio, voices and visions from outside mental health, an affiliate of Madden America Radio, broadcasting on KBOO in Oregon, sponsored by Portland Hearing Voices and the Icarus Project, and syndicated on the Pacifica Network. Madness Radio is online at kboo.fm slash madnessradio and at maddenamerica.com. The bike show and uh, a bike show about bikes and also mental health and building community. So that's the topic today. Is there anything that you'd like to just say before we get started and like jump into it? I would, I would like to say a prayer to the spirit of all the bicycles that I have ever owned or ridden and thank them for helping my mental health because I mean, it's wonderful to be on the show and thinking about that connection. Bicycles have been really super important for me throughout my life. And it's been really nice to reflect on that and to appreciate that. And I think there's something very special about the bicycle. And I think that it goes very deep into who we are. People who are bicycle owners and bicycle lovers really kind of get it about bicycling. And so it's great to have the opportunity to talk about that. Yes, um, thanks for bringing, even saying that, acknowledging the bicycle. I think we're doing mm-hmm. a lot of, we're in a, a season of doing some acknowledgement, right? About like, mm-hmm. and we're on acknowledgement mm-hmm. of our history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to acknowledge publicly mm-hmm. how much a bike means to us, like that's yeah. a whole other form of acknowledgement. And just, I mean, I mean, I grew up in in like a lot of people who have a, you know, who have mental health struggles. Um, you know, I was diagnosed with schizophrenia. It's a big, scary word. I had a lot of really difficult times in my life, and um, I grew up like a lot of us who have those struggles in a very chaotic family situation. I don't, I don't blame my parents. They have their history from their parents and it goes all the way back through the generations. Right. But one of the things that I did, um, one of the places that I felt powerful and free as a kid was riding my bike really, really as fast as I could. You know, I had, I had like a Schwinn five speed and I would be like, this is warp fast factor three. This is warp factor four. This is warp factor five. And bikes have always been a space where I immediately feel um, more at home, more myself, more empowered. And um, that's been throughout my life. And I, I, you know, I was really inspired. I do a little bit of, of art and I was really inspired um, just by this image and the images of just a bicycle. I made this as a, as a drawing and it's a, a it's an image of a bicycle, uh, bicycle sign, just a bicycle. And then the top says, they told me I have schizophrenia. And then the bottom is, I told them I have a bicycle mm. and it's really a clash of meanings. And it's a clash of different stories because a lot of us are told we're broken. There's something wrong with our brains. You're like, you're human, but you're not quite like the rest of us. Just take your medications, keep quiet. My path has been completely different from that. I'm, I'm not against medications. I know that the system has helped some people The system really failed me and really made things really worse for me, in a lot of ways, I don't take medications. I'm one of those people you don't hear about, the people with the schizophrenia or bipolar or psychosis diagnosis that don't take medications. And reflecting how I did it, a lot of it was just being able to be in the world. And the bicycle helped me to be out in the world, exercise, connecting with my body, connecting with nature, and also to feel less alienated in cities. Because I think all of us know that, you know, if you're, if it's a car, you're walking or on public transit, if you, I've been very privileged to, to have an able body and I can ride a bicycle. So to be able to have that kind of like 
victory over the city that I think a lot of bicyclists feel when you're weaving in and out of traffic or you hop up on the sidewalk or you can just pick up the bike and go up the stairs. I mean, that feeling of overcoming that alienation is extremely important to me. And I'm thinking of, there's an author, Ivan Illich, who's been very influential to me, who wrote um, some books about appropriate technology and the connection between urban design and technology and the environment. And he really points out that the, a bicycle is really a very human kind of technology. It's a very forgiving, inviting, welcoming, um, human level te technology. It's not an alienating tool. It's more of a convivial, supportive tool. So I feel very grateful to the bicycles in my life. And if you, know, if you can't ride a bike, then walk, but do something to get out there. You know, it, it makes a big difference for mental health. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a really great entry point um, by giving it, I mean, we do that personification with animals, right? Like mm -hmm. dogs talk, you know, or even the sunshine, the trees, they all, it looks very animated. They have features, you know, facial, they have mm -hmm. expression, it's expressive. Um, and the fact that you are able to use your bicycle even to separate like those identities, one that was given for you and one that was that you took mm -hmm. on for yourself. Um, and to use it as a tool to not just for freedom, a sense of freedom, but like you, you kind of, you ex have been able to gain some skill set where it's like, yeah, not everyone can bunny hop. Like that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't bunny hop. That's for sure. I actually, I, um, I ride, I ride a, I ride a Dutch, uh, I ride a Dutch one speed actually okay. I, years ago I was in Amsterdam and I just, fell in love with the upright granny bikes and um, which is a real different experience than a mountain bike or something that you're hunched over on. It really, it lifts you up. All of your weight is in your, your hips, your shoulders are completely free and open. You can have a conversation with the person that you're riding with. You can look around and that it's a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a conversation starter. You don't see a lot of the Dutch granny bikes around. So I used to live in Portland, which is like serious bike culture. And some of the guys on fixies or like these high tech, like $3,000 bikes would kind of look at me sideways, sideways, but every now and then like, Hey, cool bike. That's awesome. And sort of an expression of my personality and also like a bit of a protest because I have to say there's a, there's a capitalist politics of the bicycle industry because, you know, what we need is commuter bicycles. The bicycle should be as common as a fork. You know, we need, we need bicycles. You know, we bike, bike carriers, bike for kids, bike for our groceries. We need bikes to get to and, and you can't, it's hard to do that on a $2,000 mountain bike. You don't really need all those gears. And so um, having my, you know, my Dutch one speed that I bought for 250 bucks and then paid a hundred bucks to the airline to get, get across on the plane. It, it really like is a, is a way that I sort of express myself and I sort of like really invest myself in the bicycle. So there's a certain amount of like, yeah, I'm different and I'm proud mm -hmm. when I ride that bike. Cause you see me going by and other bicycles don't quite look like me. You don't have that upright. So what's going on there? Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people think I'm weird or different, but you know, that's, that's on you. You know, I'm, I am who I am. And it took me a long time to get to that space of being comfortable with difference because mm -hmm. that's a big part of my work in mental health is saying, look, you hear voices, you, you go into depressive states, you have anxiety, you have um, suicidal feelings sometimes. Okay, maybe you're different. Doesn't mean you're less than. Doesn't mean that you should be pushed into the shadows. Because psychiatry also told lesbian, gay, bisexual, and trans people that we were diseased and we were mentally ill and we were locked in 
to asylums. We were literally tortured to death because we were different in our sexuality or our gender. And so a big part of my message now is like, no, embrace your difference. I mean, yeah, there's suffering. I want people to overcome suffering, but the way necessarily isn't to get rid of being different. Maybe the way is to embrace being different, but then find, find friendship and community and a sense of empowerment. So a lot of my work these days is really helping people find each other, mm-hmm. find communities like the Hearing Voices Movement, um, find organizations of patient survivors, and talk about our common experiences and not be alone. Because as we know, oppression is about divide and conquer. That's what it's about. So if we can unite and come together, I believe that we can make the world a better place for everybody, no matter what your mind is doing that's different than everybody yeah, else. Right. So in this period of time that you've uh, you being diagnosed as schizophrenic and um, launching into the work that you're in right now, mm-hmm. what are some changes that you've noticed that um, I guess even more recently changes in mental health? I saw that the Hearing Voices movement has been around for a while, but to yeah. get to the point where there are alternatives that are more accessible to people and not kind of hidden away into you know certain groups or whatever, um, or different parts of the country. What has changed to allow people yeah. to be more open to um, either getting off medication or changing their medication to, you know, have yeah. that self-advocacy, say, this is what I need. I want something else. Exactly. Well, this is, it's, a, it's a power struggle. It's a political struggle. It's a result of the patient's movement, just like the women's movement. We wouldn't have access to re- reproductive health care or access to midwives or choices around pregnancy or all the different things that we now have thanks to the women's movement, feminism, women organizing. And so a lot of the protections and changes that are in place, there's not enough, but a lot of the protections and changes that have taken place in the mental health system, it's a result of patients' movement. And one of the big changes that I've seen is that this idea of peer support, that when you've been in the system, you learn things, you know how, what it takes, you know how, it, how to survive, you know how to make it through, and then you can support other people. We know this from like AA, when you're struggling with addiction, do you want to go to somebody who's read books about addiction and learned, got a license in addictionology? Or do you want to meet somebody who's been through it and get some ideas and some support? Same thing with mental health. So that's, there's a lot of that. There's not enough. We need more alternatives to hospitals. We need more alternatives um, to diagnosis. We need really community-based options. Um, so, but there is, it is starting to grow. And the second thing I think is that's coming from the Black Lives Matter movement, which is so important, is getting police out of mental health. Mm-hmm. I mean, police should not be the, I need help in my community. Who should I call? Let me call 911. And they send a guy with a gun who's trained to kill terrorists to my door. It should be, look, let's send peers. Let's send people who've been through it. Actually, people ask me like, Will, what changes would you like to see in the mental health system? Actually, I would like to abolish the mental health system. I would like to see communities that are healthy enough that we can take care of each other, that we don't need those big institutions. If you look at the history of the asylums and the psychiatric hospitals, it was always about population control. It was always about how to control these difficult people that we don't know what to do with. And then once you, once you lock them up, then you started to say that they were ill and they were different and all this. So what I think fundamentally we need is healthy communities. You know, it's hard to have a healthy community when people are working 60 hours for $8 an hour. You know, it's hard to have a healthy community when you don't have universal health care. It's hard to have a healthy community when you don't have childcare or you don't have access to education. So 
the one thing that people forget about, and this is so important from the disability rights movement, is that when the people at the margins get freedom and we get changes, it helps everybody. So when the disability rights movement, this is a quick example, was able to say, look, we need you know ramps, we need cuts in the curbside to help people in wheelchairs who have access issues to be able to you know, travel freely in areas. That's helped everybody. That helps bicyclists. It helps people who are in, uh, who are with shopping carts, people with baby strollers. Yeah. So if we, if the people who are diagnosed with schizophrenia or bipolar, if we can be freer to express our emotions, to express our needs, to express our sensitivities, guess what? That's going to help everybody because this is a continuum folks. I'm not, the only difference between me and you is that I'm a little bit more extreme on the continuum. We're struggling with the same kinds of issues of loneliness, powerlessness, trauma, poverty, and alienating society. So I have seen a lot of change. There's a lot of encouragement, but it doesn't change. Doesn't just happen because you wait. It's because there's movements. So get, get involved in the movements, be activists. That's crucial. Were there some suggestions of uh, ways to plug in or that you've find is uh has traction enough where people can jump in and find a place well i mean that's i I would hope that it has traction enough i mean it's obviously it's going to be easier to go to go shopping i mean capitalism makes onboarding really easy it's hard to but i would just say be persistent i mean there's a whole uh kind of underground and it really is like a um, countercultural like sami's dot dissident literature out there it's sort of like you know the women's movement in the thirties or the gay movement in the forties, like it's out there, but you have to look for it because it hasn't really, but like mad in America.com is a great resource. Um, the inner compass withdrawal project is great around medications, the hearing voices movement. If you start to Google around and you start to, or use the search engine of your choice to, to find some resources um, you will, there's a lot of resources on my website, which is Will Hall. Net. I, I created a radio show, Madness Radio, that people can check out. It's 180 interviews. So if you want to get interested, because what I've found, I'll, I'll travel around, I, I do trainings and workshops and things, and I'll talk to people and even strangers, and I tell them what I do. And almost immediately, they'll say, I have a brother, or I have a friend or some coworker. And so this is an issue that affects all of us. And I'm, like I said, I'm not anti-medication, but we're pushing way too much medication. And there is al- there are alternatives to medication. Sometimes people get locked into my brain is broken. I need this drug. Well, actually medications are just drugs. If you want to use drugs to support you or tranquilizers or whatever it is, that's your choice. But it's not like they're treating diseases. They're just drugs. And there may be alternatives, just like we know with other drugs that people use, there are alternatives for maybe achieving some of the same kinds of of usefulness. Um, So yeah, I would just encourage people to be uh, persistent. The Hearing Voices Movement is a great place to start. Yeah, um, that is like a, a, that's some great suggestions. And um, just thinking about, you know, you mentioned that we're no one's isolated, that we're in this all together mm-hmm. and, and um, being on a continuum of quote unquote mental health or mental wellness or well-being. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do so those who are like directly affected and then um with people who are like family members be considered mm-hmm. allies like how how mm-hmm. can folks who, who are not directly experiencing you know certain experiences mm-hmm. be supportive like what are some yeah. ways to like move and lean into that with a friend a neighbor a sibling or a parent yeah. that's a that's a really great question well i think we have to remember that we're all on a continuum 
So even if someone has an extreme experience, like they feel suicidal or they've got a persecutory voice, that's not very far from your experience of feeling despair or like you want to give up or you're afraid or mistrustful. So the, one of the first things that I'm encouraging people to do, if they want to be an ally, they want to be a supporter, is to open up about your own personal experience and, you know, kind of like step into that vulnerable space first. Like, hey, you know, I did have some addiction issues. Like, you know, there was a time when I was feeling suicidal. So that you're not like one up, one down with the person. You're like, hey, we're in this together and we're going to try and help solve these things together. And the other thing I have to say is that family members are also getting really oppressed Mm -hmm. by the mental health system because what happens is that we don't have the safety net. We don't have the supports. And so it lands on the backs of the family and they become the case manager and they become the you know, the the hospital of last resort, or they become the support people. And so when, when I think about how do we respond to a mental health crisis, it's about the person who's at the center of the crisis, but all the people who are connected to them as well, because they're going to be stressed out. They're going to be overwhelmed. Um, I think that if we have someone in our life that we really wish they would change, but they can't, remember that's a common human experience. You want that person like, oh no, why are you going back to that abusive boyfriend again? Or, oh no, why are you gambling away your paycheck? Again, there's always those, that person in your life. And so if we can focus on ourselves instead, how can I change? How can I show this person more unconditional love rather than pressure and power struggle to change? That can be a really important um, way of helping the person. Having good boundaries too, like just because you have a bipolar diagnosis or schizophrenia diagnosis means that you have to let the person walk over you. You know, you like have to have healthy boundaries. I mean, I don't know if I like that term healthy boundaries, but you have to have like some sense of like, there's two of us in this boat together and I have needs and you have needs too. And I can't just walk on eggshells and sacrifice for the other person. But it's, it's a great question because we don't, well, the main thing is we don't talk about this as a community. We leave it to the experts. Like every single time I see an, an, article on the internet about suicide it says call the suicide hotline get treatment like come on what about talking with each other what about turning to your community you know because when you go to the experts for treatment it's more than likely going to be medications and a lot of times that you start going down a road and then pretty soon you're like i want to get off the medications but i can't or you know i i what are the alternatives i don't have them or the medications are causing really serious side effects and all they want to do is give me more medications So again, it comes back to healthy communities. That's the key for me. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you just listed a number of movements, social movements that we have from gender to race Mm -hmm. to um, ability, ableism. um, Mm -hmm. And that idea of abolition is kind of, um, you know, going back to the bike and just that sense of freedom and being able to rise above like, and it's not even a rising above, it's almost like moving to maybe where we really truly are meant to be, you know, and like that sense of freedom and not being oppressed. Like, I know when I am on a bike, I feel better mentally, emotionally, physically. I rode the bike, my bike probably twice this weekend. Oh my God, like that changed everything. Totally, totally. It just it lifted me up. I mean, and just having this conversation with you, like I emailed to you, I have a brother who's bipolar and, um, you know, it's like, a, it's, there's also an extreme loss, you know, like he experiences a stream and a, a lot of loss around that. And so like that weight is kind of 
it's heavy. Like, so what, it's almost like um, how to, not only for us to be free, but for him to be free too. And to accept that, like, it's not a, it's not a limb. He's not limited. His life is also broad. It could be broadened in a different way. But I'm wondering, like, when did you, was it just as a child? Like you kind of had this like internal strength to like see yourself differently. Like what, like what, what, what was that change in your life? I mean, was it a bicycle ride? You know, was this like, it's a great question. It's a great question. I mean, just thinking about bicycles, wouldn't it be great if we lived in a world where when you're depressed, you, they, you get a prescription to ride a bicycle or a prescription to walk or go to the gym or, but, um, it's a really big question. I mean, it, it took me many years. I was on disability for 15 years. You know, I, I struggled a lot. And looking back on that, it was friendship. It was finding the patient survivor movement where I could be among people that I didn't feel like I was outside. I was felt like I was inside. I wasn't pushed to the margins. I think the really, the issue isn't that people are different or weird or they're hearing voices or they're paranoid. I think the issue is that we're isolated. We're disconnected. And so little acts of connection over and over and over again. And that's one of the things that's wonderful about the hearing voices movement. You know, people who, who hear, you hear an aggressive voice that nobody else is hearing. You're like, that is terrifying. It's frightening. You know, you don't even, you don't even know what to do with that. But then you go to a group and there's 12 other people saying, yeah, I've, I've heard voices and I, that was years ago. And here's what I did. You know, I haven't been in the hospital for a long time. Maybe I don't even take medications. But if we separate people and isolate them and put them in the shadows, then we don't have a chance to connect with each other and learn from each other because, you know, people have really learned a lot of pathways through something like bipolar or something like schizophrenia or extreme depression or suicidal feelings. And there's a lot of knowledge out there, but we're so focused on the experts that we're not building the communities. I mean, what if every community had places and centers to go that people could connect with each other. I mean, there's so many different things too. I mean, sometimes it is as simple as like, wow, I left my house. My house had really bad mold. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was so anxious and depressed. And sometimes it does have a really, but often it's much, much more complicated. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in like trying lots of different things. And so for your brother or for anyone, I would love if they just had like some supporters saying, hey, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try more connection with your family. Let's try taking a break from your family. Let's try some nutrition changes. Like I have to say, like with so-called manic crisis, that's one of the main reasons that people get a bipolar diagnosis. Sleep is a huge issue. So I work with a lot of people around like how to regulate your sleep. Like your friends are staying up till 2 a.m. playing video games. You can't do that. You got to get to sleep and people have to learn trial and error experiment. And what if we had a society where we were not tolerating, you know, 26 hour shifts for the nursing profession and we weren't tolerating, you know, crunch time at the software place where people are up at 4am. What if we had more of a realization that, look, we, we have to be sensitive that some people are going to be more vulnerable to sleep deprivation than others. We had like an educational approach in the society. What if we had a society where people were encouraged to talk to each other and to not like refer to an expert if they have difficulties. At, it used to be like the, the mental health education, like you would see posters that said, is your coworker struggling with mental health issues? Get them help, help yeah. connect them with this treatment service. And you know that might be help for some people, but mostly just having the confidence to say, hey, let's talk. 
And what you're going through is probably no different than what I've been through, maybe more extreme right now. But we have a human capacity to connect with each other through the power of listening. And if we believe in it, I think we should teach listening skills in high school. We should teach, you know, parents how to listen to their kids and how to support their kids. And we have to realize also that the solution is not just treating trauma, because I believe we need new treatments for trauma and there's psychedelics coming out and there's all kinds of different things that are coming for trauma. We need to get serious about preventing trauma mm-hmm. in the first place mm-hmm. and seeing the connection between poverty and racism yeah. and trauma and the, the incredible pressure we put on families because of the economic situation. We could deal with a lot of domestic violence if women just simply had a guaranteed safety net that they wouldn't be afraid of relying on their husband or their boyfriend for economics, you know, if they could just be free to go get their own place or move out, that yeah. would really help a lot. A guaranteed so, income. I mean, that's... yeah, guaranteed base. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of suggestions and ideas, which I feel like there are, like, there's a crowd as an audience or a choir that's growing around ideas such as these, mm-hmm. and um. I don't know, being someone who is solution oriented and not just complaining, um, like how are you inspiring people? You have a radio show, mm-hmm. trainings, but mm-hmm. in your day-to-day life, like how would you say that you're inspiring people to think differently and to see right. themselves differently, see the world and in other possibilities? Yeah. Well, if as long as the person isn't going to start um, – you know, really having some kind of discriminatory or frightened or hostile attitude towards me, which I can, I can feel out pretty quickly. I try and disclose about my personal experience. I try and talk about the fact that I was diagnosed. I hear voices that I still hear voices. I still go through suicidal feelings sometimes. I don't take medications. And so I'm creating these little conversations all the time that I hope are going to kind of sort of spread to spread out. And um, I think that's one of the main things we can do because anytime there's a taboo, if you can just break the taboo by being the first person who steps out and, and starts to talk about it, I think it really makes a big, it makes a big difference. And so for people to have the courage to, to do that and to yeah. make that. And I have to say the Black Lives Matter movement has done an incredible uh, job of raising the issue of coercive treatment because we know that um, you know, the police are responding to mental health calls and then killing people or beating them, or, or escalating, or worsening the situation. And we also know that um, a lot of folks that just end up locked up in the hospital, it's not much different than being locked up in jail. And Black Lives Matter has been making those connections in, in a very strong way. And so that, I think, is what gives me hope for the future. Because when, when people start to say, well, what would it be like to rely less on police or not rely on police at all? It's not about defund the community. It's a defund the police, but increase the funds to the community, more resources. And then people say, well, what resources? And they say, well, let, let's talk about mental health. You yeah. know, let's talk about, because we, we live in a society that's based on isolation and fear and competition and selfishness. Mm-hmm. And until we break that, until we have a society that's based on mutual aid and mm-hmm. healthy communities and caring for each, each other, and everyone has their guaranteed basic human rights, we're not going to solve mental health problems. It's totally connected with this larger issue of neoliberal capitalism and how to create some kind of democratic socialism or whatever you want to call it, some kind of alternative society. So I'm, I'm very inspired by Black Lives Matter and 
the Bernie campaign and mm -hmm. young people who are really thinking, thinking big about how do we actually solve these problems rather than just like be activists forever and try and raise money to protest. You know, we got to really come up with some solutions. Yeah, you're right. Um, I mean, you started out talking about capitalism and I'm going to misquote bell hooks here, but she is pluralistic, okay. capitalistic patriarchy. And there's yeah. another descriptor yeah. that I'm missing, but like, if we're getting to the root of what makes our communities unhealthy, like that is, that's going to be it. And that tendency to put us in warehouses, even the educational system is a warehouse, hospitals mm -hmm. are another warehouse. Totally. I mean, the other two big ones, um, mental health facilities and then um, prisons. I mean, to like put people away out of sight and mm -hmm. like who who is who's left to, to be walking around? Maybe it's the owners, right? Like people who are making the yeah. profit from this. And th those yeah. are the ones who have like the best lifestyle. So right. I mean, right. like, kind of stretching to um, think and reimagine or imagine ourselves as free, like that we can even church sometimes, like these institutions have not given us that sense of freedom, but that we right. can regulate ourselves enough to create those bonded relationships and building connections and um, listening um respecting loving you know expressive expressing vulnerability and you know like tenderness that's mm -hmm. something that is it's it's not even on social media sometimes or it's it seems true. like it's fake on social media yeah yeah you don't know really what's going on there or it's all a joke so um i mean it's, it's like i think you, you said so much that is really um in there and it's and it's so good and just going back to basic of healthy communities and what makes our lives. Cheap, excellent commuter bicycles available for everybody, <laughs> you know? And I, I, talk, I talk about my, my mom a lot. She, she was involved 40 years ago in helping organize a, a rape crisis center and shelter in Sarasota, Florida, which is still, still around. So she really taught me about activism. And that was one of the, the brilliance of the women's movement is that women got together in these consciousness raising groups and they talked about their intimate personal lives with their husbands, with their boyfriends, with their fathers, with their bosses at work. And they talked about these personal experiences and then they connected it with the larger structural social problems of patriarchy and capitalism and racism. And that's what I see happens every time I sit down with someone to talk about um, their mental health issues. Wow, issues of toxic masculinity come in issues of racism and separation and the way in which um, racism still persists and the segregation is right there. Poverty issues are right there. Home homeless issues are right there. And then as the experts come in, they say, no, no, we don't want to talk about that. We just want to talk about treating the disease of your brain. Well, wait a second. I'm connected to the whole society here. If you really want to build healthy mental health, you have to build a healthy community and we have to overcome this legacy of racist capitalism that we're still living inside of. And unfortunately, there's a lot of liberal, like nonprofit charities that sort of like say, oh, gay politics is about like being able to get married. Well, no, gay politics is also about living wage because a lot of people who are making not very much money are LGBT folks as well. They need labor unions as well. People getting housing is going to affect LGBT folks as well. So if we silo things, if we just warehouse the issues into these separate, then we miss the commonalities. It becomes another divide and conquer. And I really wish people would understand that mental health is for everybody and we all benefit 
when we talk about it. And when we talk about abolishing the mental health system, we're talking about creating a society that all of us are going to feel happier and freer and live more fulfilled lives. And that's when we start to talk about really making big changes in the society, which is what I think we have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I think the, the, a couple of pieces that you mentioned there, which is like realizing that we're not separate, you know, like we can, yeah. we, can we, the, the bubbles that we manufacture for ourselves are false. It's not a, it's not a reality. Right. Um, and then, and I live in a city where <clears throat> there's, or a lot of cities right now are having an quote unquote uptick in crime but they're, they're addressing it by policing or talking about crime versus like really bringing some real solutions. Yeah. And, and it's just like, everything is interconnected. And we, we, I mean, there's this it's seemingly a human ten, uh, tendency to be like, I want to be better than the other person beside me. So I am going to, you know, it's like this self um, elevation that is mm-hmm. just not necessary. And it's not helping any of us to, overcome what we saw in 2020 gave us a real good lesson and even like a playbook of how to build mutual aid systems so totally how to like create a new pathway i mean you we do that on a bicycle like you're new to town or you're traveling you go this way and then you come back another way and you go out again a different direction just mm-hmm. to explore to engage something new internally as well as externally. Mm-hmm. So um, trying to like, like you said, trying something different, like that alternative could just be creating a new route and being open to the conversations that you have along that way, be it with the butterflies or be mm-hmm. it with the person who's on the yeah. sidewalk. Like it's okay. a, you know, it's all, it's all engagement. So yeah. um, just like was- opening. It was amazing that, yeah, the pandemic really showed us some hopefulness. Like, first of all, the willingness of people to make a sacrifice, like people just stopped, they sacrificed economically, you know, and then, and also the the incredible concern and mutual aid. Think, think what society would be like if we all had the time and the freedom, if we had guaranteed income or we had decent enough um, jobs, we didn't have to work as much as we do. We had all this free time that we could actually meet our neighbors. We could meet the neighbor neighborhood we can be involved in the community we often just don't have that simple resource of time availability and that's often all people need it's often all people need just someone to sit with them and to be with them i remember a a woman that i was uh i was doing a training and she had worked in a clinic and she said well will we did have a guy we had to lock up he came into the clinic and we had to lock him up because he was suicidal and i said well okay i'm did you ask him if he wanted to go to the hospital? No, we had to lock him up. We had to force him into the hospital. Well, did you ask him? We said, yeah, we asked him. And I said, well, what happened? And she said, well, he couldn't really make up his mind whether he wanted to go voluntarily. And then the clinic had to close at five o'clock. And that's why they had to lock him up. And, and I understand that because I was locked up. I was put in restraints. And a lot of it's just these simple bureaucratic lack of resources and it's not a lack of resources. It's where the resources are distributed. They're at the top of the economy. They're in the billionaire 1% class being invested in hedge funds and speculative gambling capitalism. But this is the richest country in human history. We can afford basic needs and we can start building basic needs globally. And we can do it, but not if, unless we ask for it and demand it politically, which is I, I hope that people would start to see the mental health dimension part of that larger social struggle that needs to happen. 
and I'm purposely, I'm not, I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not identifying it socialism, anarchism, whatever, green, whatever, you, I'm not a Democrat or Republican. I'm like, but something has got to change mm-hmm. fundamentally. It absolutely has. And maybe it's a totally new language. Maybe it's a completely different vision that, that comes forward. I, I think um, I was thinking earlier when you were speaking about language, you know, and even mm-hmm. just how having even the terms of what say this, this what disease disorders, you know, what experience yeah. is called, you, you know, yeah. that yeah. has changed over, you know, the past hundred years. Yeah. Um, like having having language to even be able to access and even define really what we're feeling from malaise to yeah euphoria like whatever those feelings are but even to be able to identify i have a, a feelings chart and <laughs> i sit with a feelings chart sometimes to really understand how i'm feeling because yeah. we're never really asked how do you feel that's how, right. Maybe how you doing, but is the person listening on the other side? Right. So to identify emotions, to identify what we see in others, how it's being reflected back. Language mm-hmm. is a big key Beautiful. Uh, to, to having an imagination and to see something different in the possibilities. That's I mean, that's an excellent point, because we, we are so quick because we're afraid. Mm-hmm. So we're quick, so quick to say depression. Mm-hmm. Or we're so quick to say anxiety. Or we're so quick to say um, you know, schizophrenia or hearing voices. Actually, if you explore those experiences, everybody has a different, one person's so-called depression is so different that is it grief? Is it frustration? Is it numbness? Is it being checked out? Is it like, you know, is it a sense of dissociation? You know, what actually is going in on anxiety? Are you afraid? What are you afraid of? Is it a body reaction? Are you worried? Do you have an inner critic that's beating up on you? And then God, schizophrenia is just this umbrella that's been thrown on so many different kinds of experiences. And, you know, they literally will use like, are you hearing voices as a checkbox? If you're hearing voices, boom, you're psychotic, time for meds, time for the hospital. What about all the people in history that have heard positive voices? It it can be a gift for musicians, poets. It's like anybody listening to this, if you want to hear voices, I don't recommend it, but don't sleep for five days. You're going to hear some voices. You're going to go into a psychotic. So the way I see it is that what we call madness is a capacity that all of us have that comes out under the right circumstances, the right kinds of stress, the right kinds of trauma, being trapped in a family situation or a confusing situation or a situation where you're just not heard or there's mixed messages or something. So to see it differently and to take the time to really explore people, then you start to realize that this person, if I say, oh, they have clinical depression, I don't know what what to do, but then you say, oh, they're sad. They're lonely. I have some. I, these are just human problems. Oh, this person is hearing voices. What do I do? They're afraid. Just help be there to support someone who's afraid. We all know how to do that. Gentleness, listening, an open heart, caring, empowering the person, giving them choices, trying different things, being curious, showing them that you care, being honest with them, being vulnerable, opening up about your own struggles so that they don't feel separate or alien. Just human, basic human common sense really is what we need. Unfortunately, the mental health system doesn't have a lot of that. It's all pills and disorders and experts. Yeah, I think yeah, that term experts, like I think of standardization, like everything right. got standardized and it's mm-hmm. like as that has happened and continues to happen even more so, um, we do lose that like, I should know, I mean, I know how to cook an egg technically boiling egg technically but 
it is if I want to do it right, you know, like there's a certain way it needs to be a certain temperature, it needs to sit in cold water a certain length of time. Like there's a there's this quote unquote right science behind every single thing. I'm not saying that science is bad, but just that there's such all there's a rigid standard into mm-hmm. like this is the kind of life you want, this is the kind of whatever everything has a standard and it makes yeah. it difficult if you want don't fit the standard. So, I mean, it's going back to a lot of what you've discussed is trying out, you know, seeking an alternative, listening to yourself. I yeah. Mean- nobody, nobody is normal. We're all a variation. Everybody has a variation. Artists and musicians know this really well because they have, they have to take care of their art. They have to take care of their inspiration. They need certain kinds of things, very specific sorts of needs that they have that are unique to them. And so the standardization really comes in with capitalism you know it really comes like how do we process people on this conveyor belt and if you're unproductive take you off the conveyor mm-hmm. the, the conveyor belt and put you in the, in the garbage can you know, just separate you out I, I was doing a training and someone said well we're, we just hired this person who has a psychiatric disability and they said well how do we accommodate them how are we gonna you know know what they need for their accommodation I said look get your staff together and talk about how do you accommodate everyone how does everybody have specific needs? And then she looked at me and says, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going through a pregnancy. I have some specific needs that my coworkers don't need. I have a coworker who's very sensitive to fumes in the office and they, they prefer this kind of situation. So if we, if we surface the fact that we're all unique, that nobody is normal and we all need to be listened to, then it's not, you know, how do we take care of those different people over there? Then it's more like, hey, those different people over there are reminding us that all of us need to be listened to. All of us have unmet needs. All of us have emotions that we don't know how to express. (laughs) Mind blown emoji. Uh, (laughs) That's what I need. I just need a bunch of emojis. That one, that one, and that one. Yeah, mind blowing. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, like, um, I read a post yesterday and on social and I reposted it because it was about abolishment in the mental health system. Right. And just like nice. getting the cups out and um, that mutual aid support and just, you know, building communities around people versus around um, the way we build whatever, whatever it is that we're building in the capitalism and mm-hmm. profit and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, further development Um so this disconnected connection from ourselves and even, you know, people spray their lawn with chemicals and that's like, you know, another. Yeah. Cause know, their neighbor had, their neighbor has a lawn and they have to look like their neighbor or the homeowners association. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, I, I like the idea that the ideas that you've expressed around breaking down some of the, the standards and like um, finding another reality that can bring about peace. Um, yeah. All of because the standard has always been male. It's always been white. It's always been European. I mean, a lot of women I know have different emotional needs connected to their menstrual cycle. That's mm-hmm. not really welcomed in society. People are shame or hiding, or oh, I'm taking mental health. I'm not feeling well today. What if we actually normalize the fact that people have varying emotional states or that one day you may have one personality, but next day you want to be super, super goofy, or maybe the next day you want to be silent, you know? To really sort of bring that mental diversity in, as, as I hope we're starting to do, we're starting to have 
less of an ableism that says one standard. And I mean, the, the autism movement has done incredible things for this. Um, the anti-racism movement has done incredible things for this because it's really like a cultural diversity issue in a lot of ways. But we don't, we don't want to just have tokenism or just have everybody in the capitalist workplace. We want to realize that, look, the whole system has to change because we, we have to stop oppressing people, that oppression has both economic, political, and also mental health impacts on people. And that's ultimately what people are, are suffering from is, is, is a lack of empowerment, a lack of true representation, a lack of true involvement, and a lack of true control over their destinies, which is fundamentally what I think liberation movements are all about. Well, we're going to put a pin in that. Okay. okay. <laughs> because that was a perfect, a perfect, you know, sentence. But just to go back to your bicycle, color is your bicycle? And My the- does, is, do is black. It's okay. a black. It's a black bicycle. It does not. It does not have a name. Mm. But um, that's an interesting question. Maybe one day it'll tell me its name. I'll find Ooh. out. Yes, yeah. they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it was really great to meet you. I hope that I see you on a path somewhere. Yeah, um, and that you still have your long hair. Okay, audience, <laughs> you can't see this, but and I will know who you are. Yeah, um, as a result. So yeah, maybe maybe on a critical mass bike ride somewhere. On a critical mass in some city or some yeah. country, like yeah, or, or another planet. Who knows what will happen? Yeah, or another planet. <laughs> inside <laughs> of a dream. Inside yeah, of a dream. Inside yeah. of a dream. That's yeah. a, that's probably more of a possibility. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate it. I think anyone listening to this will find um, several gems to to inspire them to take some action. I know, mm-hmm. like as a person who I think I thrive on authentic connection. I feel like I to think about mental health in a different way today helped mm-hmm. me to do that because I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I want a liberatory experience when it comes to mental health. Like yeah. I want to find a community where, cause I shared with people how I feel and not a lot of people want to listen. So like to be right. in spaces with people where they know that they are free enough and accepted enough and less judgment like they can say what they need to say and i can do the same beautiful you gave us like a lot of ways that we can engage each other and ourselves differently so awesome it's such a pleasure to be part of this conversation i really appreciate you inviting me yeah till next time okay till next time (laughs) you've been listening to madness radio voices and visions from outside mental health Madness Radio host is Will Hall. Producer is Nina Packabush. Madness Radio is an affiliate of Madden America Radio, broadcasting on KBOO in Oregon, sponsored by Portland Hearing Voices and The Icarus Project, and syndicated on the Pacifica Network. Madness Radio is online at kboo.fm slash madnessradio and at madnamerica.com.